Hallelujah. Come on. Have you been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb in the name of Jesus? Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. We worship you. Somebody shout the name of Jesus. Come on. Somebody shout the name of Jesus. Demons tremble. Amen. At the fact that there's one God and his name is Jesus. You might as well scare, scare hell tonight and shout the name that's above every name. That one day every knee's going to bow both in heaven and under the earth. Amen. That the name of Jesus is above every name. And they're going to confess there's nobody else. Somebody give him praise here tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody shout praise God. Amen, amen, amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord here tonight. How many is thankful to be in the presence of God on a Wednesday night? Amen, amen, amen. It's so good to be here. Amen. And we're thankful that for the entire month of September, we have had uh, Reverend Brennan Claiborne and Sister Briar Claiborne with us. Amen. How many is thankful for every word that we have received Everything that we have felt, amen, we're so grateful for every uh, bit that you have invested into our church and into our city, and uh, we want him to come here tonight and to take his liberty. Now, this is our final night of revival, but it's not the final night of revival. Does that make sense? It's the final night of our, our guest evangelist revival, but we're going to continue on having revival. In fact, we don't want one word that has been preached to go to waste. We are thankful for it. We want to invest it into our spirits. We want to metabolize it and make it part of ourselves. Amen. Amen. We want Brother Claiborne to come one more time and preach the word to us. Amen. Would you lift up your hands as the man of God comes and pray? Amen. That's it. Go ahead and lift your voice one more time to Jesus. Amen. If you love him, why don't you let him know? If you're thankful for what he's done for you, why don't you let him know? Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I can't thank you enough. I can't exalt you enough. I can't sing enough of your praises. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm thankful for the strength and the joy and the faith that we feel on a midweek on a Wednesday night, and uh, I know, amen, I know that as Brother Diaz mentioned, there's prayers, requests, and there's needs, and there's problems, as there always are in life, but I'm thankful that in the midst of those problems, we can come to the house of God and still feel the strength of Jesus and the strength of one another, amen. How many are thankful for the church? How many are thankful for the head of the church? Amen, amen. You know, you can be seated just for a moment. I'm going to just say a few things. I'll, I'll let the media team know. We are going to read from uh, the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. The book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. And then we'll also just throw in there after that 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. And we'll read both of those. Joel 2, 28 through 29, 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. While the media team is preparing that, while you're turning there, um, you know, I, I've said it once, I've said it before, I don't know how anybody in this crazy world we live in um, survives without the church, survives without what we have here on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, and every day in between. I just, when I look at the crazy stuff that's going on, I just think, Lord, well, this is why we got to reach people, because people are not making it without the church. 
drug addiction's going up, suicide's going up, alcoholism's going up, and we're here, and we're making it, and we're living with joy because we have God and we have each other. And um, so in this crazy world we live in, I'm thankful for the church, and I want as many people to get to have what we have. I want as many people to have what we get to have, amen, even just in this service tonight. Amen. Well, I got about 20% of you. That's all right. We'll get the rest of you here in a minute. Amen. <laughs> amen. I'm so thankful for this church, thankful for the opportunity to have preached here for the past month. I want to thank this church for your attention to the Word of God, your response to the preaching of the Word of God, and your faithfulness to the house of God. Thank you, everybody that has come and prayed and participated, prayed with others, stretched your faith. Amen. To those watching online, thank you for tuning in. I know some people that were here sometimes had to be gone because of work and all of that, but as much as you could possibly be here, I just wanted to thank you personally. Thank you to your kindness to my wife and I. Uh, every conversation, every kind word, every hug, every handshake, it means a lot to us. And we appreciate you all so much. And uh, I truly, truly mean that. Thank you for letting me just kind of be at home in the pulpit um, and just kind of do my best to do what I feel. Thank you for that. And um, I know Brotherhood and Sisterhood knows this, but uh, they, are, they are blessed to have this congregation. They are blessed to know you all, to lead you all. And I also want to say this, you already know this, but you, these great people, you great people of ARC, you are also immensely blessed to have pastorhood and to have sisterhood as your leadership. Amen? Amen? You are immensely blessed to have these great people leading this congregation into the future, into where God wants this congregation to go. And I am so thankful for them personally. Uh, my wife and I are thankful for them. They are our friends. Amen. We have had some good times, some funny times, interesting times. All of it has been great. I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else, whether it's a privilege to preach alongside them in Costa Rica, as we mentioned, or just being here for the past month. Their kindness, their hospitality, their friendship. Appreciate the Hood family very much. You know, Brother and Sisterhood, they talk about souls a lot. They talk about the kingdom a lot. Pastor Hood and I, whenever we sit down on the couches at home, if, if, if we start up a conversation, it doesn't take about 10 seconds before he starts talking about the Word of God, the people of God, the vision and the things that he wants to see God do in this church and in Carson City. Amen. I'm thankful that you have a man and a woman to lead you who are passionate about the kingdom, passionate about souls, passionate about Jesus, and passionate about this church. And you are very, very blessed. You know, I don't want to embarrass him, but, uh, and I'm sure Sister Hood does this as well, but I notice Pastor Hood, regardless of who's preaching, he's taking notes. He's taking notes. And I don't know about you, I love that, that, that there's a pastor that's humble enough to take notes. Even if someone's preaching that may not be a better, as good of a preacher as he is or whatever, amen, he's there wanting to soak up as much as he can. I know sisterhood as well. So I just wanted to take a second and brag on them and thank them for their kindness to us and to their leadership. Amen. So we are thankful to all of you and to your leadership. Amen. I'm sure that there's things that I'm forgetting, and hopefully there'll be a next time, so I'll just have to save it to next time. But please know we love all of you. Amen. Well, of course, I saved the best for last. So glad to have had my wife with me for this entire month. Amen. She makes me a better man. Amen. Why don't we stand for the reading of the word? Amen. I was praying about this service, said, Lord, like, like Pastor Hood mentioned, this is not the end of revival. This is just the end of my time here. And 
I know that there are people that have been invited to church for this Sunday, so come ready, come expecting, come ready to pray and be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I know that there's still people that are on the fishing line, so to speak, to be baptized. They're beginning to see their need to be baptized in Jesus' name. So God is doing great things. He's continuing to do great things, and I'm excited. But on this last service, as far as my involvement here, I prayed and said, God, I want it to be right. I want to end on the right note, and I just hope and believe that the Lord uh, has, has the right thing for us the way that he wants this service to go. I believe that tonight. So let's read Joel 2, 28 through 29, and then 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. Amen. Joel 2, 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Somebody say dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Somebody say see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. We could go to the next passage. And while you're turning there, I want to mention as well, thank you to Sister Hood for playing a man to have the ambient music every single time I need it. But not only that, for playing, singing during worship, leading us so capably and wonderfully during the worship service. Appreciate that very much. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. Let's read this together. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How many want to fix your eyes on the things that are eternal? Amen. What I want to preach to us about tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost is simply this. The bigger picture. The bigger picture. Now, if you're going to help me preach and you're going to open your heart and mind to the word, one more time, put down your Bibles, lift your hands, lift your voice, clap your hands, whatever you feel, but let the Lord know that you're ready, that you're ready for one more time, one more service, one more sermon, amen, in this month of, of, of visiting evangelists. Lord, I open my heart, I open my mind, I open my ears. Whatever you want to speak, whatever you want to say, let it be done. Lord, I might be tired from work, I might be tired from this week, but Lord, I want a word from you. Challenge me, speak to me, change me. God, do what you can only do in my life, less of me and more of you, and God, I pray not my will, but thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. In Carson City as it is in heaven, at ARC as it is in heaven, and in my life and my heart as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're going to preach with the preacher, if you're going to receive the word of God tonight, put your hands together for the King of Kings. Amen. amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I read a story recently about a farmer in Kansas who raised two sons who grew up and both decided to join the United States Navy. The farmer had a brother who happened to be a psychologist. And one day, the psychologist brother decided to go to Kansas to visit his brother, the farmer. They began to talk about how proud they were of the two boys serving in the Navy. And the psychologist's brother got curious, and he asked how it was possible for a farmer living in the middle of Kansas, where there is almost no water, 
to raise two sons who joined the Navy and who love life on the ocean and wouldn't have it any other way. You know, the farmer, the father, shrugged, and he said he didn't know. His brother was intrigued by this. You know, this was a time far before uh, uh, all the different intricacies of technology and, and, and television and different things that people could see that might try to motivate them to uh, uh, have a, a life in the Navy on the sea. And so the psychologist's brother was intrigued by how these two brothers chose the same path, being so landlocked and isolated in the middle of nowhere. And so this brother decided to pursue an answer. And that night, he decided to sleep in the bedroom where both the boys had grown up. And by the next morning, he believed that he had his answer. He brought his brother, the farmer, into the boys' room and had him lay down on the boys' bed and close his eyes. He then asked his brother, the farmer, to open his eyes and said, what is the first thing that you see when you get up? Without hesitating, the farmer, the father of the two boys, pointed at a picture in the room. Displayed prominently on the wall was a painting of a large ship in the middle of the ocean. It was a beautiful and captivating picture that dominated the focal point of anybody coming into the room. It was the first thing seen in the morning and the last thing seen at night. The psychologist asked his brother how long the picture had hung there on the wall, and the farmer told him that he had hung it when the boys were still infants. The visiting brother then stated the obvious. If you think about a picture like that long enough, you might just become a sailor. If you focus on a picture like that long enough, you might just become a sailor. And because the father made the decision, whether he realized what he was doing, probably not, made the decision to hang that picture of the ship and the sea on the boy's wall to where they would see it for years every time they went to bed and every time they got up in the morning because the father decided to put a picture before them and because they saw that picture every day, they grew up a man to become a part of the picture and they grew up be becoming sailors and becoming a man, uh, people who chose to live a life on the sea and this story should serve a reminder to us that the picture you look at will become the place that you live in. The visions and the ideas that you focus on the most will determine what you most naturally become. What you fix your eyes upon and what you think about and what you imagine on and on, on and on for long enough will be the very place that you live, the very place you inhabit, the very person that you will become is what the, whatever picture, whatever vision that you have focused on that you have carried over the years and my prayer tonight is that every person in this church amen would see the picture that the father has hanged on the wall for us in this church my prayer tonight is that we would not get up in the morning and go to bed at night ignoring or without seeing the picture, the bigger picture that God has for ARC in Carson City, Nevada. My prayer is that when we go to bed at night and when we get up in the morning, we would see the plan for this church that God has for us. We would see the vision for this church that God has for us. We would see the dreams that God wants us to fulfill, and we wouldn't go to bed at night 
night or get up without thinking about it, without it being on our hearts, that we would see the plan and the vision and the great things that the Father has hung on the wall in front of us that he wants this church to do, oh hallelujah, that he wants to, this church to fulfill, that he wants to see done through your life and through this church. Amen. My prayer tonight is that every person in this church would get a picture, a vision in their minds of what could be. My prayer tonight is that God's focus would become our focus. My prayer tonight that is if, if it's God's will, and I believe it is, for there to be a hundred soul revival in this church in a year. I don't know if it's ever happened before in the history of this church. doesn't matter because I believe it's God's will for it to happen either again or for the first time. My prayer is that God's desire and God's vision and God's belief would become ours. And I just felt to tell someone, and you can call it hype, you can call it emotionalism, you can call it, you know, Brother Claiborne's last service. I don't care what you call it. This has been on my mind, on my heart multiple times. I believe, I just believe this can happen. If you take a metric, whether you mark it from September 1st of this year to September 1st of 2022, or you want to do October 1st of this year to October 1st of 2022, I believe in that time frame, in 12 months, you, this church, can see... And experience a 100 soul revival where 100 souls in one year's time at least I'm not putting limits on God I'm saying at least we can see that in one year's time do you realize that if you have just about around nine people receive the Holy Ghost every month just about nine people receiving the Holy Ghost every month if that happens for 12 months then guess what honey you just got yourself a 100 soul revival church I believe that this is God's desire, this is God's plan, this is God's vision. Does anybody want to share his heartbeat? Come on. Or, oh, I'm sorry. Do we want to just do church as normal? Oh, I got about maybe 5%. Do we want to just do business as usual or do we want God's plan? Do we want to just do what we've always done or do we want God's vision for this church? Come on. Do, do we want more of him? Do we want our vision and our heart to align with his vision and his heart? I don't know about you, but I want to see whatever it is that God wants me to see. I want us to see whatever it is that God has for us. Come on. Somebody praise him if you believe that and you want to see that. Come on. Come on. Somebody praise him. Someone pray. God, let your heart be my heart. God, what, what burdens you, let it burden me as well. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that with all my heart. It, we know God wants it. So if we want it, I believe it can happen. I believe it can happen. God has the power, and if we have the faith, there's no telling what can take place. My prayer tonight is that God's focus would become our focus. My prayer is that the vision that God has for us as individuals and that the vision has for this church, the vision he has for this church, would become our vision. 
My prayer is that we would do what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, which we just read, that we would look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. My prayer is that God would give this church the eyes to see the bigger picture that behind everything temporal lies an eternal purpose. I, I would to God that this church could get a vision of the way God sees you and the way God sees this church because there's enough potential there's enough strength there's enough holy ghost in this church for this church all of you gathered here tonight to turn this city and turn this region upside down oh i wish i had somebody that believed me i wish i had an elder in the church that would lift your hand and lift your voice with this preacher and let out a declaration of faith that you believe that this is possible come on behind everything temporal there's an eternal purpose behind every Everything that we do, every interaction at the job, every interaction at the college, every interaction at the coffee shop, everywhere we go, every person we talk to, every conversation we have, there lies an eternal purpose. Somebody praise him if you believe that. And Brother Dixon, if I could get just a tiny, tiny bit more modern. Hey, man, my prayer is that God would show us the bigger picture. That he would show us why we're here. Not, yes, as a church, but also individually, each single one of us, the part and parts that he wants us to play that we perhaps have not seen yet or maybe we've been too afraid to step out into. My prayer is that God would show us things that he wants to do through us that we never thought possible. My prayer is that he would show us the dreams he has for this church and that he would burden us until we make those dreams a reality. My prayer is that God would help us see things as they are and not as they seem. My prayer is that God would help you to see that you are not just a saint at Apostolic Revival Center, but as Matthew 5.13 says, that you are the light of the world. I'm thankful that you're a saint, but you are not just a saint at a specific local church in a specific region. You are the light of the world. You are a hope dealer. You might be the only light that anybody else around this place sees. You are the light of the world. That means every, everything you do and everywhere you go and all of it matters. You are the light of the world and God has given you more power than you realize and you have more favor with God than you realize to step out into the world, to step out into this community and to, ch to change this community upside down, to turn this church upside down for the glory of God. Hallelujah. It is God's desire that something would be awakened within us tonight uh, and that we would begin to see uh, the bigger picture that God has for this church. Come on. I know you're tired. I know some of you have worked uh, uh, 10 hours, 12 hours today. I know some of you have been up early and so have I. I understand the fatigue, but I wonder if we could get this desire in our hearts that says, God, show me the bigger picture. Uh, show me the vision that you have for us because uh, if we don't see your vision then your people will perish uh, your people will not live up to all the things that you have for us God help us to see all the things and the bigger picture that you have for me the part that you want me to play and the picture you have for this church in this season in these end times 
one man said this. He said, everybody ends up somewhere in life, but a few people end up somewhere on purpose. And those are the ones with vision. I'm going to say it again for those in the back. Everybody ends up somewhere in life, but a few people end up somewhere on purpose. And those are the ones with vision. God has a on purpose for every single individual in this house. And for every single individual that's a part of this church that couldn't make it tonight, I hope you come back and listen to this recording because as simple as this message might be, amen, it's coming from the heart of a burden preacher for you. Amen, I hope every person that's watching online or will watch online knows that I'm preaching to you as well. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about visions. You say, what, what is a vision? How, how does all this work? Well, continuing what the man said, he put it this way. He said, visions form in the hearts of those who are dissatisfied with the status quo. Vision often begins with the inability to accept things just the way they are. And over time, that dissatisfaction matures into a clear picture of what could be. But a vision is more than that. After all, what could be is an idea. It's a dream. But it's not necessarily a vision. Because there is always a moral element to vision. Vision carries with it a sense of conviction. Anyone with a vision will tell you that this is not merely something that could be done, but this is something that should be done. Anyone with a vision will tell you this is not just something that could be done. This is something that should be done. This is something that must happen. Someone burdened with a conviction that says life cannot go on any longer without this happening. This must happen. This should be done. And if no one else is going to do it, then I'm going to do it. If no one else is going to do it, then my family is going to do it. If no one else is going to care for that community, then I will care for that community. If no one else is going to take the gospel to the nursing home, then I will. If no one else is going to take the gospel to the high school, then I will. If no one else is going to take the gospel to that apartment complex, then I I will. If no one else is going to take the gospel to that subgroup, that marginalized, forgotten community, then I will. This isn't just something that could be done. This is something that should be done. This is something that must be done. Is there anybody that has that weight of conviction, that weight of passion, that weight of burden on you that says something must, something must be done about this? We can't keep seeing things. We can't keep letting these things bother us when we have the power and the ability and the spirit of God to do something about it, but we keep passing it by waiting for someone else to do it. There are needs in this community. There are broken people in this community. Listen, I'm sure it's a good city government, but no city government can get it perfect. No city government can do everything right, and they've got so many irons in the fire, they can't figure it all out. They love it when people like you or I or NGOs come up and say, hey, can we help with this area? We we see that it's getting a little weedy over here. Can we help with this area in the community? We see that you guys don't have enough staff to do it over here. Do you understand seeing the things that could be, should be, and must be done? God wants us to fulfill those gaps and fulfill those roles. Hallelujah. All of it is to be done for the glory of God. All of it is to be done for the glory of God. 
And I'm just going to say this, and if I get in trouble, you know, you are going to see my pastor, Joel Booker, in a few days. And so if I do anything bad or naughty, you just go tell him, tell on me, and he'll call me and set it right, okay? And Pastor Hood will clean up after me. James 1.27 says pure religion. Some of you already know where I'm going. And undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction. Which, by the way, they're just a metaphor. They're just an example for anybody that's in need. For anybody that's been forgotten. You know, as we have a job as a Christian church to find the forgotten. And to show them that they're not forgotten by their heavenly father. The fatherless and the widows doesn't just mean fatherless widows. That, that also stands for uh, uh, all kinds of, you know, the, the, the drug addicted, the, the pornography addicted, the, the, those struggling with mental issues and depression and anybody that's living in for, uh, affliction and has, has been forgotten or abandoned by the world. Amen. And that's what James 1.27 says. This is pure religion. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, if I'm being honest, in my opinion, in my travels from what I've seen, and listen, we have, to, we have to apply all sides of the Bible. You know, a lot of times we get off track when, when we cherry pick things and we only want to do one thing when there's a balance to it. There's another part of the scripture we're supposed to obey. And then some people only want to do this other thing and everyone has their niche. Amen. And, and, but, but God's calling us back to balance. God's calling us to obedience to where, to the best of our ability, we obey all of his word, right? And so, and so what I've noticed in my travels is there's some churches in Pentecost, they do a really, really, really good job of keeping themselves unspotted from the world. And thank God for that. If I had several more services, several more Wednesdays, I'd do a whole six-month series on holiness. I love holiness. You don't love it more than me. I love it more than you. Amen. I will preach about keeping yourself unspotted from the world all day and all night long. Amen. Ho holiness is beautiful. Holiness is incredible. Holiness is life-changing. I've lived in the world. I know what it's like to live an unholy life, so you can't convince me that holiness is not a deliverance and holiness is not important and holiness is not blessing. Come on. The world tries to say holiness is bondage. We know it's blessing. Come on. The world tries to say holiness will hurt you. We know better than that. Holiness helps us. Holiness delivers us. Thank God for modesty. Thank God that we don't objectify our women, but instead we dress holy and we dress modestly. Thank God, amen, that there is a standard that we obey outlined in the word of God. I could preach it all night. I could preach it all day. But there is two parts of this scripture that we're supposed to obey. To keep himself unspotted. And I think, if I'm being honest, Pastor Hood, the part that Pentecost needs to work on is the other part. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And to be honest, I think sometimes, at least in the past, I don't know if this has changed. And, and again, I can't speak for every church and some churches I've been to. There's been some people, maybe they have good motives, but they haven't done this out of fear. Because they're afraid that if they do the first part, that they'll get off track on the second part. If they do the first part, that they'll become like these other organizations or these other denominations that don't keep themselves unspotted. And so if I focus too much on loving people, if I focus too much on feeding the orphan and feeding the homeless and, and getting out into the world and, and having an incarnational ministry just like Jesus did, right? He didn't just stay up in his throne, but he came down smack dab in the middle of everyone to fill their needs and touch them and heal them and talk to them and eat dinner in their homes. 
God's calling us to have that same incarnational ministry where we go out into that community and we use service and we use good deeds and we use charity and all the things the Bible talks about to be a witness, to show the light of the kingdom of God to those people and to bring them into the house of God so they can be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. But there are some people that are afraid that if we do that, then we will somehow forget to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And I'm here to tell you that we cannot keep living on a fear-based approach. I'm here to let a church know we can do both. You can keep yourself holy and unspotted from the world, and you can go out into the world and bring people into a holy church and bring your holy self you as a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, you can bring yourself to them and meet them where they are. And maybe they won't come to the church right away. Maybe they're scared of the church. Maybe they won't come to the building, but they'll let you go to their apartment. But they'll let you meet them at a McDonald's. But they'll let you preach at their high school. But they'll let you go to the Starbucks. Will you go to them? Come on. You can take your holiness to them. You are full of holiness. You've got nothing to fear. If you believe the truth and love the truth, you don't have to fear that somehow you're going to let your standards drop just when you go love somebody out in the world. You can take care of the homeless, feed them meals, and, and, and be involved in a soup kitchen and a, and a clothing donation center and a battered women's shelter and whatever else, and you can keep yourself unspotted from the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I truly believe that that's what God is calling us to. God is calling us in whatever ways, and we all do it because we're human, in whatever ways, whatever scripture, just like this one I quoted, where there's one part that we've done a good job of, God in these end times is trying to focus us on the other part and bring us back into a balance so we can be as fully obedient to the word of God as possible. So I don't know about you, but I want to start dreaming. Okay, God, how can, I, how can I go out there? What can I do out there? What new ministries can I start? What new programs can I start? Man, how awesome would it be if we had more apostolic orphanages? How, how awesome would it be if we had more apostolic battered women's shelters? How awesome would it be if we had more apostolic counseling centers? or Whatever it may be, I'm just naming a few. But God wants to put the dream in your mind, and God wants to put the dream in your heart. I can mention as many examples as possible, but God... God wants to put an example on your mind and burden you with something that you can do for the kingdom. Somebody praise him if you're thankful for the bigger picture. Hallelujah. 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 Back to vision. It is something that must happen. It is the element vision is. That catapults men and women out of the realm of passive concern and into the realm of action. We in the apostolic church, we need an action bias. And I know I'm preaching, by the way, I don't need to clarify because you should know by now Brother Claiborne loves you. But I'm preaching to people who love to be active in the kingdom, people who love Jesus, love his church, love his kingdom. You serve the church even when you're tired and you've worked all week and I'm thankful for that. Please know that I'm here to encourage you and challenge you in the Lord. We need an action bias. God is calling us, amen, to be not just students, but to be soldiers. Vision is the moral element. It, it is the moral element, rather, that gives vision a sense of urgency. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. If you want to write anything down, you can write that down. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. 
Church, if we ever needed vision, it's now. If we ever needed to see what could be, it is now. If we ever needed to see what should be, it is now. If we ever needed the people of God to start dreaming, myself included, I'm preaching to myself. You can ask my wife. I've had so many conversations with her about this lately. I've probably just drove her nuts. If we ever needed the people of God to start dreaming and then stepping out in faith to make those dreams a reality, it is now. You might say, well, but Pastor Hood has the vision. I'll just follow that. Listen, of course we must get behind the vision of the shepherd God has given us. Thank God for the vision God has given us through his shepherd. Of course he is the God-given pastor and we are not. But too often we use the pastor's vision as an excuse to not develop dreams of our own. It might just be me and Jesus up here alone tonight. That's all right. Amen. I feel my help. Hallelujah. You got to remember, Pastor Hood is not the only one in full-time ministry. Once you got saved, and once I got saved, and once we became a disciple of Jesus Christ, you and I entered into full-time ministry. In God's kingdom, there are no spectators or consumers. There are only disciples. Every sphere of daily activity is a field of ministry. All of us are called in different ways to build order out of chaos as we build God's kingdom. All of us are called to build God's kingdom, to see the portrait that the Father has hung on the wall, and to do whatever it is that he has called us to do for the glory of God. I want to see the bigger picture. I want to be someone that sees the eternal behind everything temporal. I want to be someone that sees the opportunities everywhere I go. I want to be someone, I can't be perfect, and I certainly don't want to be hypocritical, but as much as possible, I want to be someone that goes into the world, into the community, with the joy of Jesus in my heart and a smile on my face, amen, so I can spread the seeds of the kingdom everywhere I go. You, I know you know this, but I'm just here to remind you, you got to remember how powerful just a smile is when you're at that checkout line. you got to remember just how powerful it is when you're at Walgreens getting your stuff, and you talk to that person, and they look look a little down and you just say how are you doing and they say fine and you say no no seriously how are you doing and if you do that you might be the first person that has done that in years the first person that has actually asked them how they're doing twice because it's not just a greeting you actually care about how they are doing I, I've got a million examples I could give my brain isn't big enough to go through every avenue but I want I, my prayer is that God would help you to start dreaming and God help you to see that everywhere you go you can take ground for the glory and the kingdom of God so what are things that you and I can do to make our church better. And I know, I know there's so many of you, you're doing a lot and you serve and you sweat and God sees that, the pastor sees that. We are so thankful for that. I'm not undermining any of that. But what are some more things you and I can do to make our church better? You know, the Bible says in the Acts chapter 2 that they were adding daily to the church. I want to make sure that I'm adding to the church and not subtracting from the church. I want to make sure that I'm a blessing to the church and that I'm not in any way burdening what God wants to do. What, what, what are things that I need to do in my community? 
What are the needs in the community that I see need to be filled but no one has done anything about yet? What are the things, the thoughts that I've had that I, you know, they're probably from God, but I dismissed them and I thought, oh, people think I'm crazy if I, if I talk about that dream. Pastor will think I'm crazy if I meet with him in the office and say that I have a, have a burden for that, that, that group of people or burden for this or burden for that. Some of us has dis, have dismissed the dreams that God is trying to put into our minds. What are the ministries that could be created? What are the ministries that must be created? What kind of burden do you have for the world and for this region? Because can I tell you, your burden is a part of the bigger picture. The burden that you have, the thoughts that you have, the talents, the skills, abilities that God has given you are important too. It's all part of the bigger picture for this reason, region. There's not one person in this church under the sound of my voice who is insignificant, who doesn't matter, who doesn't have a part to play in God's kingdom. What God-given talents and abilities have lied dormant within you that you can start using to bring the kingdom to Carson? I want to bring the kingdom of God down to earth. I want to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever asked yourself, what is my purpose for being here? Being in the church, being in this church, ARC, Carson City. Lord, what is my purpose? Why did you bring me and my family here? Oh, you thought you got here by accident. Got it. You, you thought you just, ha- you, just, you, you just moved here and came to this church because it, it made the most logical sense. Your job, family. Well. God sure pulled a a fast one on you, didn't he? Because you're not here by accident. There is not one person under the sound of my voice that is here by accident. Every person that is here, every person that is here at this time, during this season, is here for a specific reason. There is a bigger picture to you being here. I'm talking to the brothers, the sisters, the elders, the youngers, the kids, every single body, those sick in their body, those not sick in their body, amen, those who are secure and insecure, extrovert and introvert. I'm preaching to all of you. There's a bigger picture for you being here. Ask God. Talk to him. Lord, what are all the reasons you brought me here? Because it's not by accident. It's for a purpose. It's for such a time as this. There's always a bigger picture. And we've got to pray and ask God that he would help us to see it. There's always a bigger picture. Hallelujah. God, help us to see what you see. Help us to have the vision that you have. You know, there, there's, my wife and I got married three and a half years ago. And, and just getting her and getting married to her enough. There, doesn't, there wouldn't even have to be a bigger picture. I'm satisfied with that. She's incredible. Makes me a better man. I'm so thankful for her. But can I tell you, even to our marriage, there's a bigger picture behind our marriage. And as much as God wants us to be, he does care about joy, and he wants us to be the right fit, not be unequally yoked, have happiness and joy, and all the things of a great marriage. Scripture talks about that. We have all that. He also unites people for kingdom purposes as well. 
And there are elements to our bigger picture that I don't even, I'm not even aware of yet. And listen, I'm just telling you this. This is just my story. I, these are the only shoes I've ever walked in. So you'll have to pardon the personal reference, okay? I know that there's more stuff I haven't even discovered yet because we haven't been married too long. But, you know, when I preached on Sunday a few weeks ago and I talked about that country that uh, my wife and I went to where there was um, someone there that received the Holy Ghost that, hey, if God has to send us all the way across the ocean for someone to receive the Holy Ghost, so be it. Guess what? That, that, that country, amen, was a place, I got to be careful with specifics here, but that, that was a place that we, we, we went to, amen, earlier on, and it was, it was something that was not even supposed to be planned, something that was not even supposed to be a ministry trip. It was just, we, we just thought we were just going through these regions and just traveling or whatever, amen, and we thought it was just for fun, but we didn't even realize that God put us together, and shortly after we were married, we went to this country, in this region, in this area that we thought was just going to be for recreation, and we didn't realize until we left, amen, that we got back home, that, oh my goodness, there was a bigger picture for us being there and God began burdening us and we went back several years later and that's when that lady got the Holy Ghost and I'm just telling you we would have never gone there had we not been married the way it all worked out that's just one example of there being a bigger picture behind the most basic things whether it's your marriage whether it's the fact that you're here whether it's the job that you got or the school that you go to there is a bigger picture to your involvement here in this church amen and I want to see the bigger picture that God has for us. I want the musician to come. You know why Peter tried to stop Jesus from being arrested and going to the cross? He didn't see the bigger picture. You want to, you want to know why the disciples tried to stop Jesus from ascending back into heaven? Because they didn't see the picture, bigger picture. They didn't know that he was going to back to come back out and descend. And now instead of walk beside them, he was going to live within them. They didn't see the bigger picture. All the people that tried to stop Paul when he would go and preach in some dangerous places. Don't go there, Paul. It's going to be too dangerous. They didn't see the bigger picture. I don't want to try to stop God or stop his people or stop God from, from fulfilling the bigger picture in my life or in the lives of others. I want to say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus' name. God, help us to see the bigger picture. You know, in the scripture that we read, I really am almost finished. Thank you for your attention. The scripture that we read in Joel chapter 2, we know that that's also found in Acts chapter 2, and that's the scripture that Peter quotes when people are receiving the Holy Ghost, and they're speaking in tongues, and he says, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And he gives the prophecy that we read. The prophecy that stated shall come to pass, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. He mentioned the old, the young, men and women. They're going to see the bigger picture. You see, the spirit doesn't just give us salvation, power over sin, or power to be a witness, even though he does give us all those things. The Spirit also gives us vision. The Spirit also gives us the ability to see the bigger picture if we so choose. That's what he promised in the last days. All those who would receive the Spirit, there would be dreams, 
There would be visions. There would be the ability to see the bigger picture. Do you see there's a part of our rightful inheritance as spirit-filled people that we have lied dormant and we have not taken and picked up? There's a part of our rightful inheritance as spirit-filled people that we have ignored, and that is the ability to dream, the ability to create as God creates, the ability to use our imaginations for the glory of God. Come on, don't sit down on me now. I know this might sound different, and I know I'm not trying to sound hooky-spooky. I just read to you the scripture part of our rightful inheritance as spirit-filled people is the ability to dream for the glory of God is there anybody in this house that has dreams and desires and burdens that you want to see fulfilled in the kingdom of God why couldn't we be the church where we send people, I mean, listen, I know some people are called to go and some people are called to stay. Don't go if you're called to stay. you got to hear from God. you got to hear from your pastor. I understand all that. But why can't we be the church as we're also strengthening our forces here and growing the church here? That there's people being sent from this church all over the country and all over the world. Why, why can't that be a part of the bigger picture? It's not just for us. The revival that God wants to pour out here, all the goodness that we've experienced, all the goodness of Jesus we've tasted, all the great sermons we've heard over the years, it's not just for us. But what if we could be so full of him and so full of his power and spirit, amen, that people, amen, begin to be sent, whether it's in this region or other regions or even outside of this country. Listen, I understand we want to increase our seating capacity, and that's one way to measure success. But another way to measure success is also to increase our sending capacity. I'm trying, I'm trying to help us see the bigger picture. I don't want to just increase our seating capacity. I want to increase our sending capacity. And we have that ability. We have the spirit. We have all the tools we need to step into the bigger picture and see incredible things that God has in store for us in this church. It's time for you and I, it's time for us to realize the power that God has given us. It's time to take authority and conquer the land for the glory of God. I heard a story one time about one man. He wanted to go get his law degree because he heard about people. He was a Christian. He heard about people over in the nation of Africa, uh, excuse me, continent of Africa, different nations in Africa who were being jailed as political prisoners, journalists who were speaking up, many of them who were Christian in those nations, were being jailed for crimes they did not commit. And he went and got his law degree just so he could go over to the continent of Africa and fight for people's rights and literally bring them out of prison. And if they weren't Christian, but they were still falsely accused and he could prove that, he'd bring them out of prison and preach the message of Jesus to them. Why, why isn't that possible? Why, why can't we see that done? Why, why, why can't people do those things? Why can't we think bigger and dream for the glory of God? Why can't we, we, we use multiple avenues for the glory of God? Why can't we have apostolics throughout all different avenues and positions throughout this country and other countries? Why can't we have Daniels? Why can't we have Esthers? Why can't we have Josephs? We can if we'd be willing to see the bigger picture. Hey, Joseph, you might be thrown in a pit, but there's a bigger picture. God's going to bring you to the palace. Just try to trust him and don't get angry and bitter because God's going to bring you to something bigger. 
Your dreams will come true. Your dreams will come to pass. Hey, Joseph, don't be down. Amen. When you're in another prison cell and when you're accused of adultery and a crime you did not commit. Listen, those dreams that I gave you, Joseph, they're still real. They're still going to come to pass. Don't give up on the dream. See the bigger picture. Come on. Give it a few months. Keep praying. Keep pushing. Give it a few years. And guess what? You're going to be part of the rule over this whole kingdom. You're going to be responsible for the salvation of a nation if you would just hold on to the bigger picture and to the dreams that I have given you we are not just a church on the corner of, of Winnie Lane if I got that right you know what we are we are a strategic fortress in the kingdom of God we are a strategic refuge and lighthouse for the kingdom of God if some of you will remember and I, I don't know if you remember this. I hope you do. But last time I preached here, amen, there was something I felt God told me to tell this church. And if I get this correctly, that is that God wants to use this church to turn the hopeless of today into the heroes of tomorrow. I don't know if you remember that, but I felt like God gave that for this church. And I hope you still believe that God wants to use this church to do that. Our job is to bring the kingdom to Carson City. That's part of the bigger picture. I'm thankful for everything we get to feel and experience in this church. I'm so thankful for the power and glory of God we felt at these altars. But if we're just having just all kinds of goodness in here, but the kingdom is not coming to the area around us, we've missed something. We're supposed to be the light of the world, light to the world, the city set on a hill, a light that is not hidden under a basket, but instead one that gives light to the whole house, to the whole region, to the whole area. I've heard preaching all my life growing up in church. And I believe this, that the devil is afraid of our shout. And I believe that. I believe that. I believe the shout. I'm thankful for the praise and worship. I thank you for the power of praise and worship. But if you think that the enemy is afraid of your shout in here, just imagine how terrified he is when you start shouting out there. I'm coming to a close. All divinely inspired visions are in some way tied into God's master plan. Whether it is loving your wife, investing in your kids, witnessing to your neighbor, launching a ministry, starting a company, every divinely placed burden has a link to a bigger picture. As a believer, an apostolic believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, there is a larger, more encompassing context for everything you do. And when you realize the weapons you've been given, when you see God's bigger picture, you'll realize that when you go to start a new company, that you won't just be launching a company, you will actually be financing the Great Commission. That's a bigger picture mentality. When you see the bigger picture, you will no longer just be raising children. You will be influencing a generation. Do you see the difference? 
When you take those kids back to the Sunday school room and do arts and crafts and teach them, you're not just getting through another, another Sunday school lesson. You are helping influence the next generation. When you see the bigger picture, you will no longer just be holding your marriage together, but instead you will be reestablishing God's proper order in society. It is through strong marriages that the world can see that people will see that and want to come to God. It is because the covenant, a strong covenant of marriage that people will see that mirrors the covenant that we have with God that will make people see and feel something higher and say, I want to be in a deep, important, long-lasting covenant as well. When you see the bigger picture, you no longer just see yourself as a saint, but you see yourself as the light of the world. When we couple our personal visions with God's sovereign plan, we can impact the future. Every hand you shake, I'm coming to a close. Stay with me. We're almost there. Every kind word that you speak, every word of affirmation and encouragement that you give, and can I say how much the world and us in the church need words of encouragement? I heard say when someone say one time, if there's one thing worse than being sick, it's being discouraged. You know telling the people that are desperate and craving and thirsty just for one word of encouragement, just for one word of affirmation. People who pour out and give all the time. Single moms who chase their kids around the house all the time, pouring out, pouring out, and no one's ever pouring out to them. They're always affirming their kids, doing their best to raise them right. But who's going to come along and speak truth and life and hope to that single mom and give her a word of affirmation and tell her, you know what? You're doing good. You're doing great. You, you got this. You're an awesome mom. All of this is a part of the bigger picture. God never called us to just go to church. God has called us to be the church. And it's all about the kingdom of heaven coming to Carson City. I want us to stand all over this house. It's all about where people can say, this church, yeah, that church on the corner, Carson City, that church is a place where marriages come back together. That's the bigger picture. That, that's what this is about. Where people can say, yeah, th this church, this is a church that can help you find your creativity again after the world has crushed you and made you cynical. That's what this kind of church is. Th this church, yeah, that church on the corner, ARC, that's a place, it's great. That's a place that's safe where I can be vulnerable and confess my faults and no one will look down on me or break my confidentiality by telling others what I entrusted them with. Yeah, in that church, you can trust these people. And guess what? You can trust their God. That church on the corner, ARC, Carson City, that's a place where drug addicts can make six figures a year and become faithful stewards of their money. Yeah, that's possible there. That's a church where people will say, hey, hey, have you heard about ARC? That's the church where people with chronic depression can find their smile again. 
Yeah, that's the church, Carson City, ARC, where my brother or my sister got sober after 20 years of being an alcoholic when nothing else was working for him. Yeah, that's the church when my sister for 20 years put needles in her veins and for five years was addicted to heroin and nothing else worked. No rehab centers worked. But she went to ARC and was around the good people of God and in the presence of God and she was delivered of that heroin addiction. Do you see the bigger picture that God wants this church to be a part of? I want us to lift our hands all over this house. I've taken enough of your time. And I think you get the point. We're going to come to this front and we're going to pray in just a minute. And I didn't have enough time to do this ahead of time. I wanted to get some papers and pens and have them passed out to everyone. But I'm just going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to do this before you go to bed. We're going to pray and we're going to think and we're going to let God touch our minds about the bigger picture that he wants us to be involved in, the burden that he's placed on this, the things that we could do and we should do. And we're going to pray over them in this altar tonight. But before we go to bed, we're going to write it down. We're going to write down the things God's burdening us to do, write down the things we want to see done in our community, write down the things that could be done and should be done. We're going to have it on a pen and paper written down somewhere before we go to bed. And every day before we go to sleep and when we wake up, we're going to look at what we've written and we're going to be reminded of the bigger picture that God has for us. So I'm done. I know this is a little bit different way to end a month of unique revival services. But how about we say, Lord, we're going to end this revival right by seeing the bigger picture that you have for us in this church. Because this church is not just a church on the corner of Winnie Lane. This is a strategic fortress in the kingdom of God. And Lord, you have incredible potential in this church and things that you want to see us do. And Lord, we're ready. We're ready to start taking steps of faith. Does anyone feel that way? God, I'm ready for more. I'm ready to be more. I'm ready to do more. I'm ready to see more. If you feel that way and you want to be a part of the bigger picture and you want God to speak to you about the things you could and should do, I want to invite you to come to this front and I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to speak to you. Maybe God's already given you a burden and a vision. We'll pray over that. Ask God to help you see how you can implement it. Ask God to give you the courage to talk to pastor about it and, and to see what could be done about it. Come on. Let's step into the bigger picture church that God has for us. Come on. There's skills. There's talents. There's abilities and anointing lying in the hearts of these people before me, Lord. They don't even realize. They don't even realize. They don't see all that you can see. They don't see how much potential resides within them. They don't see how much gifts and talents and anointings and abilities lies within them. God, help them to see it. Help them to uncover the dirt on top of it, to move everything aside, and to uncover the potential that you've placed within them. God, help us to see the bigger picture you're calling us to. Help us to see the ministries that must be fulfilled, and help us to use our hands and our feet to fulfill it. Come on, church, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. I believe God's trying to speak to us. Jesus in your name, Jesus in your name. Come on, this is for everybody. You're not too young for this sermon. You're not too old for this sermon. Come on, this is for everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Elders, there's some young people in the community that need some mentoring. Elders, there's some young people that, that don't have father figures. 
They could, they could really use an older man to step in and show them love and show them how to be a man. There's jobs for you. There's room for you. There's, there's work. There's a bigger picture. Women of God, there's young ladies that don't know what it's like to be a lady out there in the community. They're just looking for someone to come alongside them, show them love, invite them in their home for dinner, and help them become the woman they can be in God. That's it, Lord. Take us where only you can go. We're moving forward. We're believing for a hundred soul revival in a year. Come on. We're just getting started. The best days of the church are not behind us. They're ahead of us. God, help us to see your vision.
Come on, church, let's pray for a few more moments. Come on, let's pray. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Hallelujah. I cannot think of a more, uh, a better word that we could have had spoken to us than this word tonight. I cannot think of a more, amen, influential word than we could have had that was spoken tonight. Let's pray, church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. God, hallelujah, would you speak to us? God, you're still giving visions. You're still giving dreams. God, I pray, Lord, amen, help us always be a dreaming church, God, that is actualizing those dreams. God, help us always be a church with vision that is actualizing those visions, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I heard somebody recently talk about, I believe it was Brother Adams, Brother Caleb Adams in Tennessee. He was preaching, and he began to talk about, you know, Pastor, we need to do this. Pastor, we need to do that. And he looked right back at them and said, God is speaking to you. I wish I could do everything that could be done. I would love to. You know, I've got dreams and visions. I'll just share a few with you. I do believe that one day Apostolic Revival Center will have a youth center for the youth of this community. These are my dreams. I don't know what they are for you. I do believe that one day Apostolic Revival Center will have a battered woman's shelter. These are my dreams. Maybe they are yours too. I believe that one day we're going to have a men's home that can rehabilitate men from, from, from different abuses and different drug uses. Amen. I do believe, amen, that one day Apostolic Revival Center will have a daycare and it's not just going to be a business, amen, but it's going to be a ministry to reach children. I do believe that one day, amen, Apostolic Revival Center is going to spread out its branches and its roots to different parts of the community. Amen. But here's, the, here's, here's something, amen, that we've got to realize. God is calling us, amen, not just to have dreams, but to actualize them. And, and I don't believe that ministry is just, amen, working inside of the four walls. I believe that as the preacher said, every time you swing that hammer, sir, amen, you are, you, are, you are a ministry to yourself, amen, and to your community around you, amen. I believe for so many things, but I, I believe that God has been speaking to individuals in this house, amen, to go beyond what we've seen and beyond what we think and we fit ministry into a box. God wants us to think outside the box, amen. While he has been speaking tonight, I felt like the Holy Ghost told me to tell you, church, it's time to get creative. Hallelujah. It's time to get creative. Hallelujah. If, if God is speaking to you, amen, that means that God has given you a vision and God has given you a dream. And I'll do my best to support it and to promote it. But I want to encourage you that right where you are, take the resources you have and, and take the mindset you have and say, God, in my small little area, in my one little acre, my one little patch, God, help me, Lord, to do something with what you are giving me this dream for I felt to tell the church here tonight the sooner that we stop fighting where we are who we are where we live 
who we're married to, who and where we work for. I'm just giving all these other things. You can fill in the blank. As soon as we get beyond fighting where we are, because we there's there's something called the next addiction where we just want the next thing, the next this, the next that. Well, I'll be happy and I'll be fulfilled when I get the next job or I get the next place or I, I move to the next this or whatever it might be that, that if we can get beyond and stop fighting, amen, that, that desire to move on to what is next, we might be able to operate right where we are. As the preacher was preaching, the Holy Ghost was speaking to me. It could be that you and I and us as a church, maybe we're in a holding pattern. It's where the plane can't land. It has to circle a few times. It could be that the Holy Ghost has us in a holding pattern because we're not supposed to move forward just yet. But we are to say, God, right where you have us. God, in the job you have me that maybe I'm sick and tired of, there is one person that you want me to influence and you want me to reach. God, right in the neighborhood I wish I could get up out of. God, maybe there's somebody in this neighborhood that you want me to minister to. God, maybe in the frustration that I have in this stage of life. God, maybe there's a ministry that you want to birth. I feel the Holy Ghost. Church, would you lift up your hands and pray? What a word we heard tonight. Come on, church, let's pray. While this man of God was preaching and ministering this word to our church, amen, I believe that the Holy Ghost started speaking and bringing things to you and your, your memory and my memory, bringing things up to the surface. God, amen, there's a ministry that is inside of me. There is a calling inside of me. And God, I pray that you would help me through the power of the Holy Ghost to birth that ministry. It might not be a pulpit ministry, amen, but that doesn't make it any less of a ministry, God. Amen, it might be a three thrift store ministry. It might be, amen, a food bank ministry. It might be a clothing ministry. Whatever it is, God, I want to dream about it. I want to think about it when I wake up in the morning, and I want to dream about it when I go to bed at night. God, would you, God, would you put it on me, amen, as heavy as a burden as it is on the preacher to preach the word of God. Would you put that burden on my heart? Come on, church, let's pray for a moment. The Holy Ghost is in this house. I pray, God, that you would birth in us creative ministries, God. Amen. It may not look like every other church down the road, but, God, would you birth it. That ministry is just as effective, amen, for our city and for this generation as it would be anywhere else. God, I pray that you would anoint us, amen, to accomplish what you have given us as dreams. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You might be in a position right now where you are frustrated. Don't let that frustration kill you. Let that frustration motivate you. I have a lady in my home church that she had a child, and he was sick. And they went to the church, and they prayed for their child that was sick, and they got wholly frustrated because she had to keep missing work for her sick child. And then finally, one day, God dropped something in her spirit. Why don't you stay at home with your child all day long? And invite other people to drop their children off and open a small daycare. They know own, they've owned, I should say, because they've actually made multiple business owners in the church out of it. But they now overall own 10 daycares. If you look through the history. In fact, they've gone to other parts of the country and helped other people do it. 
And through that, they have baptized most of their workers. In fact, you preached. One of the ladies goes to, to the Northside Church now. And she's incredibly an incredible blessing to that church now. But she was not in church for many years. But look what God did in that moment of frustration. Instead of letting the frustration kill their faith, amen, they were able to take that and they used it as a catalyst for a creative ministry that has been a blessing over and over and over again across, amen, this nation in many different ways. And, and they're, they're using that as a, as a ministry, amen, in that church as well. I wonder how many ministries are in this house. One of the first things I ever said, you may not remember it, but one of the first things I ever said as the pastor of this church is I deputize you to be in ministry. I deputize you to be in ministry, amen, to let God use you, to not wait on anybody else, amen. Now, if you're going to disobey God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, or what we preach and teach in this church, that's not a ministry. That's a subversion from the Word of God. But if you are going to let God use you to be an influence on somebody to enter the kingdom of God, whatever it is, through business or through direct Bible studies or ministry, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you to do it, amen. Would you lift up your hands one more time as we pray in dismissal, amen. I can't think of a better word that could have been preached, amen, on this final night of revival. Jesus, I praise you and I worship you. Father, we thank you, God. There are ministries that are lying dormant in this church, amen, and in the hearts of people that tonight I believe you have resurrected and you have brought them to the forefront. And God, I believe we're going to see miracles and we're going to see ministries and we're going to see souls saved, amen, from these things. It's a business. It could be, amen, a business or it could be, amen, and an outreach, whatever it is, God, you're going to use it to, to reach souls in this city and through this world. In the name of Jesus, bless your people. Amen. God, let us keep dreaming. Let us keep seeing visions in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Somebody shout and give God praise for the word we have received. Come on, there's somebody about to start a business, amen, because of what they just received. There's somebody that's about to start a ministry after the word they just received. There's somebody that's going to go into their community after the word they just received. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. Church, let's keep dreaming. Amen. Let's, let, let's have a creative revival in Jesus' name. God bless you.